"You're incorrigible," said Xiang Yun. "Now that you're older, you ought to be mixing with these officials and administrators as much as you can. Even if you don't want to take the civil service examinations and become an administrator yourself, you can learn a lot from talking to these people about the way the empire is governed and the people who govern it. That will stand you in good stead later on when you come to manage your own affairs and take your place in society." You might even pick up one or two decent, respectable friends along the way. You'll certainly never get anywhere if you spend all your time with us girls. Stone. This is Kevin Wilson, joined as always by William Jones. Will, how are things with you today? Uh, it's okay. It's rainy and miserable outside, oh, so wow. being indoors is the way to go. Okay. How about you? Everything is well. I'm looking forward to discussing Chapter 32.、Uh, Bao Yu demonstrates confusion of mind by making his declaration to the wrong person, and Golden shows an Unconquerable spirit by ending her humiliation in death. So that's a、um, that's a, quite a subtitle for a chapter. Yeah.、Uh, so we got a lot a lot to talk about. Kind of a short chapter, but、uh, highly eventful,、um, and some great dialogue to really、uh, kind of delve into. But before we do that,、uh, do you want to give the the recap of last chapter? Yeah. So a little summary. Last time in chapter thirty one. The chapter begins with the maidservant Aroma having just coughed up blood from having been kicked by her master Baoyu、uh, at the end of the previous chapter.、Uh, now Baoyu sees this and he wants to go fetch a doctor, but she says, "Wait until morning. Don't make a fuss." So he does so, and in the morning the, pr- the doctor prescribes some pills, and that's where we leave things.、Uh, that day, Baoyu's mother, Lady Wang, hosts a lunch. But the atmosphere there is very kind of tense、uh, due to some recent events,、uh, including、uh, her dismissal of her own maid, Golden, due to uh, perceived, um, I guess, kind of like licentiousness、um, in the way that she, the maid servant, spoke to Bao Yu,、uh, Lady Wang's son.、Uh, so because of this very tense atmosphere at the lunch, the whole thing wraps up rather quickly. Anyway, Bao Yu returns to his chambers. To change, and he ends up、uh, in an argument with his maid Skybright.、Uh, it gets rather intense,、um, and even more so when Aroma, his other maid servant, tries to intervene.、Um, Bayu, it, it gets to such a pass that Bayu is actually on the verge of dismissing Skybright、uh, when his cousin, love interest Lin Dayu, arrives and cuts the tension with her arrival. Baoyu then has to go off to a party with his cousin Xuepan, and on his return, slightly drunk, he and Skybright are reconciled. 
Um, the next day, um, a cousin of his, Shu Xiangyun, arrives to stay for a few days. She is taking a stroll through the garden with her maid, Kingfisher, when she discovers a golden ornament with a, a qilin, which is a kind of mythical Chinese creature, uh, on it. And she already has one just like it, so they're almost kind of matching. Um, she and Kingfisher arrive at Bayou's chambers, and he is flustered because he'd been intending to give her a gift, and he's now lost it. Xiangyun realizes the gift in question is the qilin, and she presents it to him. Um, so in, in this chapter, we were in the same scene. Um, Xiangyun has arrived at Bayou's chambers and revealed that she's found this golden qilin. Um, and Xiangyun and Aroma uh, kind of chat about various things, uh, including her recent uh, engagement to be married, uh, as well as the, the friendship between them, um, and uh, also some embroidery that Aroma has to do. Meanwhile, uh, Dayu has snuck around to spy on them. She overhears Bayu praising her in front of the others, and she's filled with a mix of emotions, both happy and sad. Um, so she sneaks off instead of interrupting them. Bayu is then called away to meet um, a distant clansman, Jia Yutsun, who's come to visit. Uh, and on the way, he sees Dayu ahead of him. So he catches up with her, and they have a a brief but rather intense conversation, uh, after which she leaves. Meanwhile, Aroma, realising that Bayu has left without his fan in the heat of the day, chases after him to bring the fan to him. Uh, in a daze, he mistakes her for Dayu and confesses the depth of his feelings for her, before realising his mistake and running off. Balchai, his other cousin, then arrives, and she and Aroma talk, uh, Suddenly, they're interrupted by another servant who tells them that the maid, Golden, who was recently dismissed from Lady Wang's service, uh, has drowned herself in a well. Um, and then Bao Chai goes to comfort Lady Wang uh, in her chambers, and we leave things there. Okay, yeah. Um, so this is chapter 32. Uh, as, you can, as you can hear, it's a really eventful chapter, but it's not very long. Uh, it's just kind of a, a quick succession of a lot of mm -hmm. fairly meaningful, uh, sometimes subtle events, um, almost entirely kind of uh, occurring at the level of dialogue. Um, yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> we, um, we've mentioned before how time sometimes moves in a, in a rather kind of um, uneven way in this book. Sometimes, you know, a year or, or years can pass. Uh, in the space of a few chapters. Uh, and sometimes a chapter covers mere hours or minutes. And this chapter, the one preceding it, and the the, the successive chapter are all going to happen in, in a, a relatively short space of time. And so it's quite important to keep track of uh, who is where and what they're doing and what's going on, um, because it will continue to be important. Right, right. Um, maybe this chapter is similar to um, some previous ones in that we see kind of a wide variety of characters. Um, and so it does, again, have a bit of a snapshot feel. Uh, mm. But yeah, I guess it's it's more spatially concentrated. It's mostly uh, following Bao Yu the whole time um, with a, a, a little bit of a, some, some exception to that, but not too much. Yeah. Um, mm. And we learn a lot about Shishang Yun, which is really interesting. Uh, and I guess her 
her arrival uh, on the scene is kind of like the organizing event of the chapter. Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. And until until the news of um, of, of Jin Chun's death, and then all of a sudden we have a shift, at least only for a moment, probably toward uh, toward this set of events and uh, kind of a a recognition that it's an aftermath to what we saw before uh, with, with Bao Yu and with uh, uh, Golden's being uh, dismissed. You know, that, that whole kind of scene with the mother uh, and, and Bao Yu and Golden. So w- what were your like first impressions? Again, I mean, I mentioned last time, I think that like I'm um, struggling to find any character that I really, um... it's not that I dislike uh, any of the characters intensely, but I also don't much like or sympathize with a lot of them. Um, I guess it's maybe in the nature of it being quite a realist novel that there are no kind of heroic figures. Um, everyone seems to be a mixture of good and bad, and sometimes the bad shines through a bit more clearly. I do feel that a bit in this chapter, okay, um, and in the kind of in the surrounding ones as well. Or do you um, think specifically uh, with regard to any character? Uh, so in this case, I think uh, we'll see. I'll explain why as we go. But I think uh, Bao Chai is the one I feel this way about. Uh, and I'd previously been quite kind of keen on her as a character. But I think that her, I think her behavior in this chapter leaves a rather bad taste in the mouth. Okay, um, but that's interesting. Um, I, I probably would have had the same response. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think I know it's. The, the like the dialogue toward the end of the chapter is probably what you're thinking of. Yeah, it's where she's comforting Lady Wong for the for the suicide of her maid. Okay, um, we'll definitely get to that. But I had the same reaction where the tone of that comment. Uh, my first impression was pretty negative. Um, yeah, and then I tried to imagine like how am I to interpret this line. Uh, and then I, I, I kind of found myself finding new ways to be sympathetic with that remark if it's given as this kind of perfunctory remark. Um, but yeah, that, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, look, let's, let's, let's charge in and we'll get to that point when we do. Okay. For sure. Yeah. Um, um, so the, the chapter begins in that setting with Bao Yu, his cousin, Shi Xiangyun. His maid, Aroma, and her maid, Kingfish, are all um, kind of there there at once. Um, and she's just revealed, Xiangyun has just revealed that she's found this golden chilean in the garden that Bao Yu thought he had lost. Mm-hmm. Um, there is one comment which I think was quite revealing here about the nature of Bao Yu's character. Um, so Xiangyun is needling him and saying, you know, it's a good job you only lost this little, you know, token uh you know one of these days you'll end up losing your seal of office um and then it won't be quite so funny you know and so the idea being that when value reaches adulthood he will become an imperial official or some other kind of important person and as part of his role he will need to carry around this this seal of office which is kind of you know the the mark of his authority um and so is very kind of important to his uh status and power um, uh-huh. It's, I guess, the physical object through which through which he would display the kind of um, authority granted him by the emperor. Um, yeah, in the in the in the original, it's in, uh, like a seal. 
like or like a, a kind of you could imagine like the his official stamp um and this is kind of i think this is meant this comment is meant to um show maybe uh shishang yun's uh her, her prolonged kind of um naivete or immaturity um because I, I think it's 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 kind of a it's very characteristic of childlike thought to think that you know oh if you lose your seal you lose your position it's kind of like a a, a childish uh kind of misconstruing the like um the reality of social relations uh, okay okay uh see i that's, i wasn't that's, sure that's my read at least i wasn't um, sure i thought maybe it would be quite a serious thing to do um but i thought maybe what she was doing was actually having a slight dig at him in a playful way yeah because we kind of know that he is um not really the the uh the type to be keen on an official career you know and uh-huh and, and we can see that you know he he says um in the Hawks translation, it says, he says, oh, losing one seal of office is nothing. Losing a thing like this is much more serious. And in the Chinese, the, yeah, the losing one seal of office, he refers to as ping chang. So like normal, everyday, you know, nothing to worry about, basically. But losing the chilin, he says, so like, <laughs> I ought to die for that, you know. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, that would be awful. Yeah. He, yeah. And I think it does, it is very telling about his character um, that he is... I want to comment on this more a bit later on, but he very much seems to reject, I think, a lot of the conventions, I suppose, of um, of society at the time, uh-huh. the expectations placed upon him, and also the 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 marks of you know success, um, the mark the 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 measures by which a, a man can be con- considered successful. He does seem to reject right. That at the same time that the i think the author is simultaneously um you know he empathizes with that sentiment at the same time that he's maybe satirizing Bao Yu as a character um because he, he's done this sort of this performance a few times Bao Yu has um and it uh it always kind of rings hollow given at this moment you know in his life given his um profound social status you know, it's kind of, it's easy to uh, kind of um, reject the world when you're not reliant upon it, kind of kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And actually, there's a good contrast, I think, to be made with uh, Jia Yutun uh, a little bit later in the chapter, um, along similar lines, right? I mean, he is, we, I guess we can talk about it more when we get there. But when we, do you remember when we first meet yes. Yutun in chapter one? He is quite the kind of like romantic, you know. He, he's love at first sight and um, lying awake, dreaming of this of this woman, like writing poems to the moon, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but he does he does kind of like knuckle down and and pursue the official career. And I think the difference there is that he he is poor, you know, and so he doesn't have the luxury in a way of um, rejecting the material world and it's you know, and, and its requirements. Okay, that's interesting. And so maybe uh, in the character of Jenshin, we see the opposite. Uh, and so like, it would be as if to you to play on the names again, Jenshin is like, uh, like someone who learns reality, but learns too late. And Jayutun is someone who sort of uh, begins in this real material. And he like learns, he, he like transcends to... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, material success. 
that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's a difference in outlook, isn't it? If you think of like um, the Taoist characters we meet in this book, they're either really dirt poor to begin with, or they're very wealthy to begin with. So, um, Jun Xiyin, for example, he is he goes off to become a Taoist after his after everything kind of goes down the toilet for him. But he comes from a kind of this wealthy background. The head of the of the Ning branch of the Jia clan, Jia Jing, he's obviously very very wealthy. Um, that kind of gives it all up to be a Taoist. But the other characters we meet, for example, like the followers of Abbot Zhang in, I think it was maybe chapter 28, 29, something like that. Um, they're all obviously dirt poor and, as it's observed, rather smelly. Right. Um, and so I wonder whether there's, yeah, there's this kind of, um, there, there are those who are so wealthy that it doesn't matter to them. And then there are those who are so poor that they have no hope of improvement whatsoever for whom the kind of Taoist mm-hmm. life and the rejection of like material world and the re- the requirements of society and the like the obligation to belong to society can be kind of safely disregarded you know but then there's this sort of there's this kind of striving middle who are I, I guess kind of like not poor enough to disregard it entirely but neither rich enough to be able to kind of escape the um uh the yeah the kind of requirements of 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 society i, I don't know what you think of that yeah, I, I think I I hear what you're saying is maybe uh, like it's as if wh- whether you're at the bottom of society or the top of society, you can like kind of come toward religion, but and it, you're, you're you're like a, a approaching a singular object, but from different uh, like parts of the horizon or something. You're, you're coming at it from two different angles, um, and so maybe it, there's a meeting in the in the middle, or maybe it's a kind of oblique kind of thing where like uh it's like completely different objects but they're kind of related in some ways uh but like i I would say like sociologically i like base idea would be that you know uh get the terms with which you interact with the uh a kind of religious institution is going to be uh contingent upon what sort of power and influence and wealth you bring into that, you know? And so like before judging became, this, this isn't explicitly stated, but you could imagine that before he came um, a, you know, a Taoist um, practitioner, he, he like donated significant sums, you know, and that would, that would like a guarantee a certain relation with that institution. Whereas if you're like, you know, you arrive on the door as a baby, uh, you know, someone orphaned you, your relation with that institution is going to be a little mm. bit different. So you, you can imagine there's all kinds of uh, yeah. like sort of preconditions, even though, yeah, like experientially, we're all going to, everyone in the society and, and all the characters all have their own kind of relationship with these institutions, whether it's, you know, whether it's through becoming a monk or a priest or uh, donating money so that, you know, people can pray and, and keep off evil spirits on your behalf. We saw, we've seen that in the past as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so on and so forth. So I guess we should probably start talking about uh, uh, Shu Yun's sort of what we learn about this character in this chapter, yeah. this issue with the gift, yeah. the gift giving, which, which shows us that, you know, Dai Yu's concerns over, uh, Bao Yu's hmm. um, s- sentiments toward Shishang Yun aren't entirely, uh, you know, 
baseless, let's say. Oh, you think so? Um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's left kind of um, open to interpretation. Hmm. But yeah, after we talk about the gift, then we, we learn that Shishang Yun has recently received a marriage proposal, a kind of another, another mark of, um, of adolescence, of transitioning to adulthood. Yeah, that's been um, much commented on in, in recent chapters by the characters themselves. Right, um, do, right. We don't know who this um, engagement is to at the moment, do we? Um, I don't think much information is given. No, no it's just mentioned. Uh, Roma mentions that she says, I heard about your dasi, your uh -huh. great happiness, your big happiness, basically, um, which is euphemism in this case for um, yeah, engagement, wedding news. Um, but this renders Xiang Yun. Um, Hai Sao, which is kind of like embarrassed, bashful. Uh -huh. um, yeah. And we commented on in the in the previous chapter that there is a suggestion, at least, that um, Xiang Yun is attracted to women. And whether that's exclusively, uh, or if she might be considered bisexual, I, I, we don't really know. Um, but yeah, it wasn't clear to me whether the source of her kind of like discomfort here is because um, she's not actually really interested in marrying this this man whoever it is um or if it's just the natural kind of bashfulness that one would feel um in the circumstances um, that's an interesting point yeah I, I hadn't i hadn't thought about that as much but i, I think you're onto something well, well i don't know i wonder whether just in 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 any event it wouldn't be the appropriate reaction to be kind of ha openly kind of proud or happy about this you know maybe the expected reaction the response is to be is to be kind of shy and, and retreating about the whole thing. Who knows? I mean, what this chapter makes clear is that there is some kind of tension um, being resolved between uh, Shishang Yun and uh, Aroma Washiran. Yeah. And it is maybe uh, uh, related to, I, I guess, growing up. And also there's some indication that maybe uh, after Washiran entered into the the jia uh like family uh she grew distant from shishang yun mm. um and they used to be they used to be like super uh it's a yeah maybe i'm not sure if that distance is uh how it was manifested you know what what, what exactly they were yeah um so we know that we know that aroma used to be um <clears throat> on grandmother jazz stuff um and then she was subsequently transferred to, um, or maybe she was on Lady Wang's stuff. I can't remember. either Bao Yu's mother or his grandmother. I forget off the top of my head. But then he was, she was subsequently transferred to Bao Yu's service. And it seems from the conversation here between Aroma and Xiang Yun that when Aroma was on uh, Lady Wang slash Grandmother Jia's staff, when Xiang Yun would come to visit, the two of them would uh, often spend a lot of time together. Um, you know. And so Aroma was always doing little things for Xiang Yun, you know, uh, doing her hair, washing her face, you know, this and that. Um, uh -huh. Whereas, whereas now, um, at least in Aroma's point, from Aroma's point of view, um, Xiang Yun has become quite the kind of the the little lady, the young madame. Uh -huh. the, the the exact phrase in in Chinese is "na chu xiao jie kuan," so "na chu" is to, like to take, xiao jie is like literally miss. Uh, but here, kind of young lady, young madam, 
and quam i think it's kind of like the to take the um to adopt the manner of maybe so she's kind of adopted the manner of a young lady something like that mm -hmm. yeah that's good yeah yeah like the air the air of a young lady yes maybe. something like that yes something like that yeah exactly um, exactly and so you, i guess that's a that seemed like a sensible reaction you know when you are accustomed to um I guess you know, like, like dealing with and experiencing someone as a child, and all of a sudden they become like a a, a lady. Um, it's un it's unclear what the the new terms of address should be, whether literally, as we saw in previous chapters, uh, or I guess more abstractly, as we're seeing now. But on saying this, um, Xiang Yun protests vehemently um, uh, against the claim that she's become a a little a young madame. You know. Uh -huh. uh, she says this phrase yuan zai, yuan zai, which is like <laughs> injustice you know it's like yeah that was good uh, it's it's almost <laughs> like it has a kind of buddhist connotation i think you know this is like a slander uh an outrage blasphemy blasphemy Maybe. blasphemy exactly it, blasphemy yeah. is exactly the word <laughs> um and then aroma says well i was just i was just joking you know C calm down and this only drives xiang yun yeah angrier still she says of course you know pretend that it's um pretend that it's me who's overreacting and not that you said something hurtful you know uh -huh. um, yeah um she refers to her as xingji uh although it's interesting that when did, did you notice this when hua shiren says it she adds the r but then when shishang yun re replies using the same word she doesn't add the r I wasn't sure if I was supposed to interpret that. Uh, and so, what if if one has the R on the end, it, it like suggests it's uh, like softer somehow. Oh, okay. Is is that what you're suggesting? I, well, I wasn't sure whether maybe it, that, that's one explanation, or whether it's. Um, I guess we haven't talked about the R as much. Uh, it, it'd be uh, e even at this period a like an artifact of the northern uh, style of speaking, right? And that's being preserved right yeah yeah um so like some some listeners may be familiar with this some less so but yeah there's a like the, basically like a, the, a manner like of the beijing are basically right yeah yeah so where some some words that might otherwise end in a different consonant sound or no consonant sound at all have like an have like a er sound like an r sounds to the added to the end um so here yeah what xiang yun pronounces it xingji and um Aroma pronounces it Shirji, basically. Yeah, that's good, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, I thought it was interesting that that would be um, recorded. I, I, is that to say that uh, Shushang Yun doesn't have that accent? Um, or I really don't know, you know. I'm not sure exactly what it denotes. Yeah, I wasn't sure either. Uh, well, yeah, I just... uh, we have considered it before. Yeah, I, thought, I thought actually, um, way back in Chapter 6, I thought that there was perhaps a, like a maybe like a class or formality based difference between the two terms woman and zaman even though they mean the same thing us we because granny leo um, has yeah used it a lot but but now i'm not actually that sure I, I i certainly don't think it's class based but there may be a sense of formality uh formality okay. or difference in red or re difference in register in the use maybe um but okay uh, i don't know for sure um and it's at this moment when shishang yun uh hands in person uh the ring uh intended for uh, shiren and so maybe that's 
that underscores the uh, the like multivalenced uh, character of their relationship. It's not as if they're enemies. It's more like they're friends trying to uh, sort of like struggling to uh, maintain a certain yeah. Uh, um, yeah, like level of connection or something. Yeah, as we mentioned in the last chapter, Xiang Yun had brought these four rings for four of the maids that she's particularly close to. Uh, and unfortunately, one of them is for Golden, um, who, as we know, has been dismissed from service. And as we all later discover, is no more. Um, but we can talk more about that later. Um, right. She... So she gives the gift to Aroma. Um, Aroma, she is very keen on it, you know, is very grateful. But she makes this like slightly sideways comment. I, I don't know whether you whether you picked up on this. She says, it was basically saying like a ring like this isn't worth much, but the, it's the thought that counts. Okay. Um, hmm. Let me see. Um, so she says in the Chinese, uh, so there's another arhua. So how much could a ring like this really be cost? Uh, re- really be worth? Sorry, how much could a ring like this really cost? Um, so, <laughs> but it can be seen that your heart is true. Uh, so, in the sense that you know the the thought is there, something along those lines. And and I just wondered whether there was a, in any way like a like a slight like snide or sideways quality to that comment, or whether it, it, she is just oh I see. It's just that aroma does strike me as a rather uh, like clever. Um, considerate person, um, and it's very unlikely that she would ever say anything out of turn through like a lack of forethought. You know, it seems like everything that she says is quite carefully weighed up. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm making a, making something out of nothing. Okay. Where, whereas this comment might be a little bit dangerous, it could be definitely interpreted as you know. Again, the the sore point is that uh, Shiren has basically risen in status, whereas Shishang Yun has not. That, that seems to be the underlying uh, contention between them. Yeah, potentially. Uh, and so then to to talk about you know the, how much the ring costs seems to betray you know uh, a basis to uh, Shishang Yun's uh, resentment. Maybe. Anyway. Um... Aroma says that she actually received a similar one recently. And Xiang Yun asks from whom, and she says from Bao Chai. And this sets off Xiang Yun saying, you know, um, that Bao Chai is the favourite of all of her cousins, and she kind of wishes that they could be wishes that they could be sisters. And if they were sisters, it wouldn't matter to her so much that she is an orphan. And then she gets kind of teary-eyed at the thought. It's just interesting to me because this sentiment is echoed in a few chapters by i think grandmother jia she makes a similar comment about how bao chai is her favorite um you know of all of her of all of her grandchildren or of all of her you know younger relatives of one form or another bao chai is the best um so we can see already that she's kind of being lined up i suppose as this kind of supremely virtuous character in some ways or particularly beloved maybe Uh uh-huh um, and maybe that contradicts uh, some of her actions, like later in this chapter. That would that be one way to read it. Yeah, definitely. Um, it it also contrasts very clearly with how people are beginning to uh, of how people feel about Dayu and 
I feel like people yeah. are increasingly open or outspoken about the way that they feel about her. Um, right. And so Shishang Yun's positive comment about Bao Chai also like acts, I think, consciously as a uh, a negative critique of Dai Yu. Yeah, because she mentions um, her in the same paragraph, right? Um, uh-huh. She says that uh-huh. she thought that the ring might be from Dai Yu. And that's the only mention she makes of her. But then by going on to praise Bao Chai as her favorite cousin, it... Yeah, there's definitely a an implied mm-hmm. criticism, maybe. Which maybe, you know, maybe she is becoming an adult because that is an, an adult thing to do, <laughs> to uh, sort of um, use language uh, in this kind of yeah. manipulative way, yeah. I think. Well, as she gets misty-eyed thinking about how she has no parents uh, nor any um, siblings, um, Aroma says, you know, there's there's no need to cry, Don't don't worry. Oh, she says specifically, she says, don't, you know, there's no need to say things like that. And I think what she's saying is there's no need to get sad about being an orphan. But what Xiang Yun hears is there's no need to praise Bao Chai too loudly because Lin Daiyu may overhear and get angry. Um, and so, yeah, Xiang Yun comes out and says that. Um, mm-hmm. Aroma's response is um, that she's more and more outspoken. Um, so that in the Chinese, UFA So UFA is like more and more. Xinjir is like your your heart is direct, and Zui is your mouth is fast, it's quick, you know. So you're very. She's very quick mm-hmm. to speak her mind. I suppose is um, is the is the is the meaning here. So next they have this um this discussion all about um embroidery. Mm-hmm. sewing tailoring that sort of thing and we discover a couple of things i suppose um firstly that Bayu has this frankly rather irritating habit of refusing to allow any like tailor work to be sent outside of his own compound mm-hmm. um so all of his all of his clothes have to be made by his maids and like all of the I suppose any kind of repair work or anything like that needs to be done by them as well. So the family retains a whole staff of, you know, embroiderers and tailors and things. Um, but he refuses to use any of them because he doesn't He doesn't like the quality of their work, maybe. Right. I, I mean, maybe that's partly it. Maybe it's also, it seems to be uh, an interesting kind of uh, recognition of... Um, I guess the like libidinal component of you know all forms of labor, right? And so it's like a like a kind of um, Bao Yu like really prefers sort of like yeah that that like that there's an intimate quality to uh, like everything he touches, um, which is a a, a, uh. a kind of like very spoiled. Uh, like, like state of affairs but it's also kind of interesting just um because you know like weaving and uh embroidery is so important in um like in this in this historical condition in this historical society um that it is an interesting reflection uh mm. on yeah yeah like like how people like really like connect with uh all the the like the, the goods and services that they um consume 
Um, and so we see, yeah. on, on one hand, we see Baoyu having this kind of this preference for embroidery. And it's like it's a really strange part of his character. At the same time that we see uh, Shu Yun, her like her plight is entirely based around um, her like similar similar kinds of labor being exploited. Um, but like, it seems like, it, whereas in the case of Baoyu, it, it's just kind of this weird, I'm almost tempted to call it a kind of uncommodity fetishism, like desire for a certain kind of labor, whereas, whereas with Shishang Yun, it just seems like she's being just brutally exploited. But it's, it's again, it's for the same, the same kind of thing. It's the same, like, it's, it's for the product of one's life. It's very, this whole, this whole chapter has a kind of economic, uh, like, underbelly. At the same time, that's all about emotions. Um, so it's kind of like economic emotions. Yeah, so as you mentioned, unbeknownst to <clears throat> um, Aroma, Xiangyun, because her, her parents are, are both dead, she lives with her aunt and uncle, I think. And they are kind of cruel step-parents, and they're very, very demanding of her. Mm -hmm. they, they require her to do a lot of sewing and embroidering and things. Um, and we think that that's partly just because they're they're cheap you know, they're, they're miserly, and so they don't want to pay the cost of sending it <clears throat> sending it externally. And so, because Aroma doesn't know this, she actually asks Xiang Yun to help her with some, um, yeah, to, to sew some, some slippers, basically, uh, for Bao Yu. And um, Xiang Yun, she, I think this is, I think, a mark of her character. She refuses, but not for the obvious reason that she has to do it all the time when she's at home and could she please have a break from that but rather she says it's a strange request surely you know you would send this externally like <clears throat> surely this isn't for you know why do the servants have to do it why can't you just um get one of the the many other maids or um tailors that you have on staff and aroma says no you know Baoyu never allows anything to be sent externally. Uh, and then Xiang Yun says, well, there's this other matter, of course, which is the last time I made something, um, a fan case, I think it was, it was compared to one that Daiyu had made. And she got angry that Xiang Yun's fan case was nicer than hers, and so she chopped it up with scissors. Um, <laughs> And this is entirely believable, isn't it? Because we've seen probably three separate scenes now where, in anger, she <laughs> takes <laughs> she takes out her anger on objects by chopping them up with scissors. Um, right. <laughs> um, um, and so you can imagine how uh, devastated. So on one hand, Shishang is doing way too much of this embroidery. She's being like basically uh, exploited, uh, and she's working like all night long, just nonstop uh, embroider embroidering and, and weaving and so on and knitting and so on and so forth um and then on top of that basically it, it's like her like to put it in simple terms her like rich friends are are asking her to do more embroidering uh at the same time that the embroidery that she's already done has been like like callously uh uh yeah destroyed <laughs> yeah like uh, every possible like variation on the insult is instantiated <laughs> i think this is more or less a context uh where i i believe it's is this where Bao Yu interjects 
in um, Daiyu's favor. Uh, I think at this point he's called away. So uh, Xiang Yun has not yet given a definitive yes/no answer uh, on this question. Okay. When a servant a servant comes in and says, "Mr. Jia of Xinlong Street um, is here to see you," and so that's uh, Jia Yutun, who we mentioned before, um, who. Yeah, is a distant kinsman mm-hmm. of the Jia family, um, and is this very upwardly mobile, ambitious, once poor but now rather, we assume, well-off uh, imperial official. Um, and yeah, Bao Yu is not keen on him at all, mm-hmm. um, because I think that he sees him as kind of like graspingly ambitious, and he finds that there's something distasteful about his, about him generally. And in the way, particularly, that he seems to be kind of toadying up to uh, Bao Yu. Um, uh-huh. He always wants to see Bao Yu, and Bao Yu just doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Uh, and this time is no exception, so he's like, he's getting ready to go. Um, and it's at this point where uh, Shishang Yun gives him uh, her speech. Yes, exactly. So what's the what's the nature of this speech? What does what does Xiang Yun say to Bao Yu about... Um, the need to meet with Yu Tun and people like him. I guess you could imagine maybe uh, friends or relatives. The speech, you know, this idea that you have to, you know, you got to, you got to put yourself out there. Like, we well, got to. Do you have a LinkedIn account? You need a LinkedIn account. But this is the, the the Qing dynastic version of that. Yeah, exactly. She's like, you need to be, you need to be networking, basically. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, you know, you can learn a lot from talking to people, and they, you know, they'll remember you later on. I mean, it is kind of funny when you think about it that like. Bayu is so well off that he is kind of disturbed and like irritated by all of these um, probably like quite important people always coming around paying him visits and it's so annoying um, <laughs> and you know by contrast there must be people from much poorer walks of life who would you know just who would give anything who would kill to have you know five minutes alone with one of these people to kind of try to gain some influence with them or, or gain some support from them. Okay. I, I mean, yeah. And this kind of goes back to my, my comment that, you know, maybe he's just sort of like performing this sort of discontent or maybe he generally is uh, um, like able to be at such a distance from this kind of like, I guess, like striving type um, because he, he does come from a more like older aristocratic form of wealth. That's basically what's going on here. You know, Jiayu Tsun is this like, this almost like mm. proto bourgeois striver. He's in the, and he's using the civil service system to, to advance himself and to, and to gain various, you know, economic rents and uh, privileges. Yeah. He is, he's like a, a parvenu basically. He is um, new money, I suppose. Um, and so in the and so of... Bao Yu is the opposite. He like yeah. he, he would never have to work, and he'd still have um, his position, presumably, unless something happens. Right? Um, there is like a, a tension there, uh, and I guess I guess Shishang Yun is kind of um, she's maybe more. I guess she sees it more clearly. She's more realistic, I guess. So she gives him this speech about how he needs to update his LinkedIn profile and do some networking. <laughs> and um he's greatly perturbed by this um and one of the things that she has said is that he should he might pick up one or two decent respectable friends along the way and 
Bao Yu responds, Well then, if that's how you feel, you should probably leave. I wouldn't want a decent, respectable young lady like you to get contaminated. Um, mm-hmm. And this this is the same contaminated word. I think it's adza that has been used before in other contexts, including by Bao Yu's father, Jia Zheng, to describe Bao Yu himself. So it's maybe a little self-referential. Maybe he knows there's something in his character which is polluting in the sense of, you know, being kind of counter to or anathema to the kind of orthodoxy of the time. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I think so. Anyway, Aroma, in her way, tries to intervene. Um, she says, there's no point trying to talk him talk him out of it. Uh, actually, Balchai has tried to do this before. And midway through her her speech, Balyu stood up and kind of walked away with a with a sigh with like a with a the character here is high which i think in my mind is kind of like a almost like a performative sigh a kind of like kind of thing Ah, you know okay um (laughs) so like a deliberately kind of slightly offensive um sighing sound um okay yeah like a a contemptuous sigh maybe absolutely yeah and so he storms (laughs) off um and that's rather embarrassing for her, obviously. But Aroma notes that um, Balchai actually, although she initially blushed, she then kind of composed herself. Um, and when she composed herself, she stood up and left. Um, and this is because she's she has kind of great self-control and she's very generous of heart. Um, she's sort of the the the, nor- the Confucian norm, if you want. Yeah. Of uh, yeah, like uh, of reservation and self-respect and uh, prudence, conscientiousness, that kind of thing. Yeah, and kind of propriety, propriety above all else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and and she actually notes aroma that it was lucky that it was Balchaya and not Dayu because if it had been her, uh-huh. who knows how much kind of shouting or crying there might have been. Yeah. <laughs> to which. Bao Yu responds, well, Dayu would never talk such rubbish to me, you know. Have you ever heard her talking such... Have you ever heard Miss Lin talking that sort of stupid rubbish? I'd long since have fallen out with her if she did. Hmm. Um, Which, uh, I guess, is a a sort of ambiguous comment. Um, it's, it's praise, uh, but it also, like, it's conditional. Like, he might you know fall out with her were she to act in the way that they acted which is i guess a little bit uh a way to qualify your remark in a way how did you interpret that i think in my mind it kind of shows that dayu probably subscribes to a similar viewpoint as Yu, even though she is somewhat precarious in material terms you know she doesn't necessarily have the expectation of being able to enjoy great wealth for the whole of the rest of her life I think she still does kind of get it that like she's not interested in forcing Dayu to try to kind of move up in the world or or like you know really grind and like make something of himself. She she kind of is happy to accept him as he is. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the way I understood it. What 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 did you make of it? It's a good transla- transition just insofar as uh we can so all this time, it, it seems Dayu was outside, sort of um, like like snooping on everybody. Yeah, she's she's been eavesdropping, right? Uh, and she definitely catches uh, that last remark, uh, and then there, and then the in, 
here in the chapter, there's like an extended kind of internal mental dialogue where she like sort of enumerates uh, the four kinds of feelings she has uh, upon hearing that remark. In the in the Hawks, he like, uh, he kind of like uh, organizes it. I think it's kind of funny. Um, so upon hearing, you know, cousin, cousin Lin never talked that sort of rubbish. She has mingled emotions of happiness, alarm, sorrow, and regret. Yeah, so those in Chinese um, are Jing, uh, Bei, and I think Tan. Uh-huh. So yeah, happiness, alarm, exactly, sorrow, and regret. I guess happiness, uh, so in the Hawks it says, because after all, I wasn't mistaken in my judgment of you. I always thought of you as a true friend, and I was right. And in, in the original, it's Jirji, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. And so like a, like a, a Jirji is like a... Uh, someone, uh, yeah, like a someone who knows you, right? Like a, an intimate acquaintance. An intimate, exactly. Yeah, it's more than just more than just a friend. It's somebody who really, really understands, and comprehends you. Um, so that's that's happiness. And then we got. I was looking to see if, um, you know, we talked about Jirji, uh actually in chapter one. Yeah, chapter one, exactly. Uh, there's a there's a remark between uh, Jia Yutun and uh, the maid, Lucky, yeah. that he sees from the window. Yep, exactly. And and they like upon first glance, they they seem as if they were already Jirjis, mm. right? Am I remembering correctly? You are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the comment that he he feels like. Yeah, she's a to him. She is a Jirji. She's one who kind of like knows and understands. It's been a while, but we return to this idea of Jirji now in the context of. Uh, Bao Yu and Dai Yu. Um, okay, so so after happiness, what next? Oh, after happiness, we got uh, alarm. Uh, because if you praise me so unreservedly in front of other people, your warmth and affection are sure, sooner or later, to excite suspicion and to be misunderstood. And we will see this a bit later in the chapter, when Bao Yu inadvertently confesses his feelings for <laughs> Dai Yu to Aroma. Right. She will have exactly this fear. Right. And so he like, he immediately does exactly what she's worried about and does it in um, like exaggerated fashion possible. Yeah. Uh, you might as well like, you know, call call the wrong phone number and then leave a, like a really like detailed like, confession on the tape. It seems like a similar kind of, um, that's why Bao Yu is a relatable character because he is like our inner uh, Homer Simpson, always um, like capable of um, uh, exceeding our expectations uh, in his like shortcomings, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um, Yes, yeah. And so... Always capable of putting his foot in it even further. Uh, So that's alarm, that's alarming. Um, Next is regret. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, because if you are my true friend, then I am yours, and the two of us are a perfect match. But in that case, why did there have to be all this talk of the gold and the jade? Alternately, if there had to be all this talk of the gold and the jade, or of, of gold and jade, why weren't we the two to have them? Why did there have to be Bao Chai with her golden locket? Uh, yeah. So then, and then there's this, yeah, I guess, like, why is... Why is fate so twisted? Mm. I mean, I, I'm sympathetic to a point, but I've also got in my notes, in capitals, you are the one saying all that all along, you idiot. <laughs> okay, yeah. You she's know. really like uh, epitomizing the 
self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, all this stuff about uh, archetype. The, the the point that she was making about why was there all this talk of the jade and the gold? If you go back and you know read through the conversations between Dayu and Bayu, she's the one who keeps bringing it up and saying it's this huge obstacle or this huge problem. He's the one who always says it's like immaterial to him. He doesn't care. Right. Um, He's actually annoyed even by yeah. Like his only his only complaint is that complaint kind of thing. Uh, and so we, we have that again. Um, and the last one is sorrow. Uh, uh, the, basically the sorrow, uh, it's a little bit longer, I'm going to paraphrase basically, is that sorrow in knowing that her illness is, um, is getting worse by the day. Um, so even if we are true loves, uh, our time together is uh, necessarily fleeting, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. She says, you know, she has no mother or father, and there are these things of burning importance to be said, and and the Chinese for that is, uh, so uh, literally means uh, inscribed in the heart, and carved into the bones. Mm-hmm. So the 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 things that need to be said are of they're they're like deeply etched into every part of her. Um, so it's mm-hmm. you know, she's yeah with a kind of typical rather like intense slightly overblown <laughs> way of way of talking I guess <laughs> yeah um, um and so this is her final like uh, re- reaction um, although she also talks about how you know you know this is like woe is me to have this um, Bo Ming to be born under a, an unlucky star uh, another image that we've talked about. I think in the context, in a few con, few different circumstances yeah. so far, um, this idea of fate and uh, being born, you know, appropriate for one's time versus being a mismatch with one's time, uh, that that came out that came out a little bit in the uh, in the Jai, actually back in the Jayutun um, when he was talking to a friend at a small uh, restaurant out, on the outskirts of town, I believe in chapter two. Chapter two, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, she's uh, she she regards herself having an uh, unlucky fate. So she she leaves, you know, overcome by these thoughts, and in her usual way is mm-hmm. crying. Um, meanwhile, right. So one of the uh, four hundred times <sighs> in this novel that someone cries. Meanwhile, um, Bao Yu has got dressed up in his official clothes to go and meet uh, Jia Yutun. And he sees her ahead of him, so he hurries to catch up. Mm-hmm. And he sees that she's crying, and he goes to wipe away <clears throat> the the tears from her eyes. And she smacks his hand away, because, as we've observed several times before, you know they're they're grown up now, or they're they're growing up. Um, and so there are certain, I guess, social standards or expectations to be observed. Um, they can't be just the same as they were when they were kids. Uh-huh. And so unsurprisingly an argument ensues <laughs> and i guess the thing that really comes out of this is um the thing that really comes out of this is that Bayou says this comment to her and it leaves her kind of dumbstruck and she realizes that he kind of gets her i suppose okay so he he wipes her tears away she says stop that he says sorry you know my feelings got the better of me she says she makes a sideways comment about how losing the the chilin is this is nothing, but losing that gold chilean is, is really the most important thing. You know, it's, it's the most terrible thing. 
So immediately that annoys him. And he's like, are you just saying these things to make me angry? She says, you know, sorry, I actually didn't. I, I've spoken haste. I didn't mean to upset you. Mm-hmm. And, and Bao Yu says, if you don't understand what I've just said, then not only have my feelings towards you been all along mistaken, but all that you have ever felt for me has been wasted too. It's because you worry so much that you made yourself ill. If only you could take things a bit more easy. Your illness wouldn't go on getting more and more serious all the time. And so she has this feeling that he's, in this series of comments, I suppose, somehow kind of like read her mind, like seen exactly what she's thinking, I suppose. And so she's unable to say anything. Mm-hmm. Right. The uh, in, in the Hawks's, uh, Daiyu was thunderstruck. Yeah, in the original, it's Ru Honglei Chudian, like in a, like a flash of lightning. Uh, he 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 had uh, he had read her mind, and he he said it better than she could have said it herself, kind of thing. And, and so I, I guess there, there's like this moment where everyone is sort of um, one person gets dazed, and then it's transferred to the next. So first, I I, I think it's she's dazed by his comment. Uh, and then he, he in his own way becomes dazed as well. And that causes him to, uh, to finally, when he finally is able to, um, kind of pour his heart out, uh, she's already left and he does so <laughs> to aroma by accident almost. Yeah. Who, who's, who's followed him with, with, uh, his fan. Uh-huh. So she, she caught up to him, but then saw he was speaking to Dayu. So waited back at some distance. Dayu left, aroma steps in. And um, this confession of his feelings comes forth. Uh huh. In, um, in a way, you know, you could also argue that maybe uh, this is in keeping with his general. We see over and over again that uh, Bao Yu has like feelings for somebody else, and those are like sort of transferred um, illicitly almost onto Aroma again and again. The first time was after Chapter Five, and you know his imaginations hmm. for. Uh, for Dai Yu and for you know and, and for Bao Chai and for Ching Ching were all like, all redirected in this kind of like rough manner onto Aroma. Yeah. Uh, she becomes kind of a, like an emotional receptacle of sorts. And it seems like it almost happens again in this scene where like yeah. this like profound message is sort of um mm-hmm. like practiced on her almost. Uh you know, which which you, you could imagine like the awkwardness and the kind of like what kind of resentment that would um would uh cause so um aroma hears all of this outpouring i mean i think the key part is when he goes you know night and day sleeping and dreaming you are never out of my mind um that's probably the 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 kind of core of Mm -hmm. the message i suppose that's the Mm. the gist of it right uh he does also say something to the effect of uh like you know he he seems to uh, analogize his love uh, with a sickness, right? Which is um, resonates with the fact that Dayu is actually literally sick, uh, and so like whereas she has a physical sickness, he has because of his love for her a like a, a psychological or a mental mm. sickness. Uh, that was that's kind of also um, a misdirected uh, yeah. confession or what have you. But it also feels like you know, despite all of his eloquence normally he's maybe i don't know it's a little incoherent in a way he doesn't really express it with the same i guess like poetic quality or grandeur that he normally possesses oh okay uh 
yeah, I thought it, I don't know. It struck me that his his little speech here was maybe a bit um, unpolished. Oh, see, I, I'd interpreted it it like a kind of a uh, if only he'd been able to say this to Dayu, uh, maybe that would be progress in their you know in their relationship. Um, but once again, he only like gets things together uh, a little bit too late, you know, right after, you know, the, the, the time had passed. And so again, he has to kind of, um, again, it's just sort of like dumped onto Aroma. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and she at once realizes what's going on. She gives him a shake and gives him his fan. He comes to the senses, mm-hmm. sees who he's talking to, and without a word, he runs off. Um, so he's in a fine state of embarrassment and preoccupation on his way to go and speak to Jia mm-hmm. uh, Yutun. Meanwhile, um, Aroma is left standing there in the same spot. And it's here that she thinks about how, you know, a, a scandal may be developing, you know. Um, she maybe needs to take active measures to prevent this from becoming worse, you know. You, you can get a sense that uh, she is not... Um, she seems to be already kind of, um, you know, not in favor of Bao Yu's relationship with Dai Yu, right? It seems as if she's going, she's not going to support that uh, endeavor, which again was a reason for. So, you know, Dai Yu was right about being alarmed that, uh, you know, her lover is, her, her potential lover is so, you know, like, uh, like unskilled at dissimulation, you know, like, you know, not able to keep a, keep a secret, uh, prone toward, uh, kind of, um, un- unthought emotional outburst, uh, and kind of, you know, like, yeah, like not, not like skilled and kind of like social strategy, even in a defensive sense. Right. So she's left there thinking over these things. And I think, as you suggest, much more than just what's written in the text, she's probably thinking of, her and Bayou's relationship as well, when she herself is interrupted, um, in this case by Bao Chai, um, who asks her what what it is she's doing, standing out here in the sun. Uh huh. Right, and she's hot. I guess is that also again a joke where like the joke is Bao Chai is always a little bit hot. They they do say you know we just had the the uh, in the text there was recently the the five five festival. And so it is still like, you know, the dead of summer. So what are they doing out, out here Yeah, uh, in the sun? Yeah, not good to be out here in the blazing sunshine. Better to be in the shade where you can catch a breeze. And so Aroma lies and says that she saw two sparrows fighting. And so she had to stand and watch. You know, it's it's a lie, but it's also kind of a metaphor, right? Yeah. She, yeah. she did see two, you know, squabbling birds as it were uh that's again you know that's kind of a disparaging uh it also reminds me a little bit of the um the scene a few chapters previously where balchai sees two butterflies playing and um yeah she 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 goes to kind of follow them um she chases after them i suppose Um, okay yeah and um i think in, in that case as here the the two animals are obviously very clearly meant to kind of represent uh, Baoyu and Dayu. Um. Mm-hmm. We've already alluded to uh, Shishang Yun is having some difficulties at uh, at home, um, and I guess Bao Chai uh, kind of calls out Aroma a little bit for 
uh, for being so perceptive, but for you know completely not seeing that you know uh, Shashang Yun is 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 having some like having some problems at home, and you know it it would make sense if they didn't you know ask her again and again to do more embroidery. You know, of all the people they could ask, she's probably the the most put out, the most busy. Uh, in, in the worst situation. Yeah, she says, this is Bao Chai addressing Aroma. You're an intelligent young woman. I should have thought you'd have sense enough to leave her a few moments in peace. I've been watching our Yun lately, and from what I've observed of her and various stray remarks I've heard, I get the impression that back at home she can barely call her soul her own. I know for a fact that they're too mean to pay for professional seamstresses, and that nearly all the sewing has to be done by the women of the household. And I'm pretty sure that's why, whenever she's found herself alone with me on these past few visits, she's told me how tired she gets at home. When I press her for details, her eyes fill with tears, and she answers evasively, as though she'd like to tell me, but dare not. Um, so yeah, we hear that she's... Pao Chai is maybe more perceptive, and she, she's kind of clocked that Xiang Yun is, is facing these difficulties. But it sounds as though maybe Xiang Yun and Aroma haven't spent that much time together recently, so maybe it wouldn't be as clear to her. Okay. Um, but then once she does mention it, Aroma thinks, oh, of course, that would be why when I asked her to sew 10 butterfly bows last month, uh, it took her so long to do them. And then even when they did arrive, they were quite kind of uh, roughly done. And and once again, they turn to the subject of um, Bao Yu being so kind of pig-headed and refusing to allow them to send the embroidery to any kind of external anybody outside of the the immediate household i suppose um right you know all the labor must be done by loving hands as it were uh which strikes me as uh maybe like i tend to psychologize that uh it reminds me a little bit of um we remember back in chapter two uh another young boy who who also thought to the effect of you know boys are made of mud and women or, or girls are made of water. Um, there's another another character who was mentioned who actually like uh, forbade his servants to to say the word girl uh, or else they, they would be like, like punished or they'd have to wash their mouths out or something to that effect. Yeah, they couldn't say it without first washing their mouths out with tea. And if they got it wrong, he said he said he would drill holes in their teeth. Um, and tie tie their mouths shut. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe it's not as extreme, but for some reason, this like this uh, prohibition on any kind of like outside labor for these garments strikes me as on this level of I, I want to say kind of neutrally uh, psychological specificity. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's same kind of the same level of meaning. Uh, um. But you know the the upshot of all this is that uh, Aroma is going to ask Bao Chai to uh, to do some of the embroidery. Uh, yeah, and this... well, it's like she politely volunteers, um, and you can't tell if it's a real offer or not. But Aroma basically bites her hand off. It. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and that this is actually going to occur again. Something similar, something similar occurs later in the chapter. Um, and so you, you kind of wonder, like, you know, what's the, the price at which Bao Chai, like, has won the, the title of, you know, the, the, the filial 
sister or, or daughter um if you know she has to do herself a lot of this she's like she she's subjected to uh some some heightened demands of uh kind of the uh domestic economy yeah yeah um um it's funny that you mentioned there's like a psychological element or like a something along those lines i suppose because uh when they're bemoaning the the kind of pig-headed nature of baoyu the phrase that uses uh so xin means like cow-hearted so something exactly like pig-headed in english but xing is like uh human nature something like that and is like left literally you know left left-handed left-sided right um and in this case in a bit in the way that um for example the word sinister in english comes from sinistra i.e left-sided in latin it carries a bit of the same thing left-sided here implying kind of unusual or even kind of perverse right um, yeah and and so yeah that the his left left-sided nature as it as it were um marks him out particularly uh, and this is kind of the reason for his um demanding that all the embroidery and tailoring is done in-house uh-huh that's um, interesting yeah and and yeah i think it's slightly implied the same kind of thing that you were suggesting right that there's like a there's a some kind of unconscious psychological mm-hmm. forces at play here 